0: All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. In our study this morning through the book of Romans, we come to verse 18, going through verse 32, and it speaks of a subject that's a difficult subject because it speaks of the wrath of God. Many times people don't understand the wrath of God. In fact, the, the word wrath, sometimes by young people, is not even understood what that means. But uh, there is something called the wrath of God, and this passage deals with that. So follow your Bibles as we read, beginning at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things... That are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to for- four footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters and inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house, to meet with your people, and to share our testimonies, and to give to you, and to praise you in song. And we thank you, Lord, that we can study your word together. And I pray that you might help us as we go through this passage to understand that the wrath of God is real. And I thank you, Lord, that through Jesus Christ, when we've trusted Him as our, you as our Savior, that we escape this wrath, and we don't have to experience it. But, Lord, it's real, and I know that many people in this world are going to experience it. And I pray that you might help us to be those who share the good news with them so that they can escape the wrath of God. Bless today and give enablement to bring the message, accomplish your will in each of our hearts, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In a day when weak on crime policies and elimination of capital punishment is popular, the truth that God is a God of wrath is repulsive to many people. Sinful man does not like to think of a holy God who hates sin and displays his wrath against it. In fact, many pulpits across the land no longer preach against sin, but have described God as a God of love and fail to emphasize that He's also holy and that he will judge sin and display his wrath. Many no longer mention hell, and and a fire and brimstone message is actually ridiculed today, and you've probably heard people make fun of preachers who preach fire and brimstone, meaning they preach about hell. And then there's many in our country today who no longer even believe in God. There's no argument about religious things. They don't even believe in God, so they don't fool with that. And they don't believe God because they have chosen rather to believe that man and all other creatures and all plant life and the material universe are the product of blind chance and evolution. That way they, they think that there is no God that they have to answer to because in my, their mind he doesn't exist, so they don't worry about standing before him and they don't worry about his wrath. But with all the evidence around that says that God does exist, He is all-powerful and He is good, they choose to be, as 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says, willingly ignorant. And so, as our text says in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Now, we do not want to, be, to base our belief on what uh, ignorant fools say. And that's what this passage describes these people as, ignorant fools. Well, fools and ignorant because the Lord says that they're willingly ignorant in Second Peter. Therefore, we will go to God's word, the Bible this morning, and we will find the truth about God. And in the scriptures, we do find that God is a God of love. We don't diminish that. We don't uh, say he's not a God of love because he truly is a God of love, and I thank the Lord that he is. But he's also a faithful God. He's a God who is righteous. He is a God who is holy. He is a God who judges, and he is a God of wrath. We all like the truth that God is a God of love, But we will never fully understand what it means that God is a God of love until we understand that God is holy and God is also a God of wrath. You can't truly understand what God's love means if you don't understand His holiness and His wrath. The passage before us today tackles the subject of God's wrath upon man and makes it clear that that the wrath of God is deserved. The wrath of God is deserved. In verse 20, Paul said that sinful man is without excuse. So there's no excuse for mankind. He can't blame his past. He can't blame the people who have influenced influenced him. He, he can't blame any of that. The Bible says he's without excuse. We all know that is true. But by God's grace, we do not have to experience the wrath of God. We might be without excuse, but we don't have to experience what we deserve because God has made a way that we can escape his wrath. Now let's examine this passage this morning. And as we do, I want to look at four things about God's wrath. Four things about God's wrath. The first one is this, the revelation of God's wrath. You notice we began as we began in verse, six, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The revelation of God's wrath. How is the wrath of God revealed from heaven? Let me give you three ways that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. First of all, this Bible that we have today came from heaven. It came from God. It's God's word. It's God's gift to mankind. I've often referred to as the gospel as the second best gift. Jesus is the best gift, but if we didn't have the gospel, we wouldn't know about Jesus. So in that sense, it's the second best gift because it tells us about Jesus, the best gift. And, but uh, we have the gospel, and we're thankful for that. But God reveals in this word, in this Bible, his wrath. Now, the word revealed is an interesting word in the Greek language. First of all, it's in the present tense, which means that it's a continuous action. And it actually means, as, as Greek scholar Weest has said, this word revealed means to uncover what has been hidden. The wrath of God is revealed, it's un- uncover what has been hidden. God wants to reveal to us. His wrath. He wants to tell us about it so that we'll know about it. And so he he reveals that to us. The present tense means that it is being revealed continuously. God's revealing his wrath. There's no excuse for people not to know about the wrath of God because it's revealed in his word. Now, in the Bible, God reveals his wrath. You might think that the Bible talks about this loving God who just would not send anybody to hell, but it doesn't. The Bible speaks of a loving God, yes, but also this God is a God that's holy, and He's a God of wrath. We see that in various instances instances in the Old Testament. For example, Adam and Eve. What did they do? They sinned. What was their sin? They ate a fruit that God told them not to eat. Now, with all the sins going on today, we would think that wouldn't be a very big thing. But how did God respond to that? And remember, all of your sins are bad, even the little things, because The Bible, because look at Adam and Eve. They were made by God. Everything in the garden and all the world was made by God. God gave them life. God gave them everything. And God gave them all this to enjoy only said one thing you're not to do. And when they did that one thing, that was very bad. That brought the wrath of God. And what did God do? God cast them out of the garden. And he brought a curse upon the earth so that everybody after them was born with a sin nature, which they didn't have in the beginning, but everybody after them was born with a sin nature. In fact, God showed his wrath when he cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And then you remember the flood. Is God a God of wrath? Oh, yes, he is. We don't know how many people populated the earth at the time, but the flood came. God flooded the whole earth. The highest mountain was covered with water. The whole earth was covered. And only eight people survived, and God killed everybody else. Everything that breathed, God killed them. Now, that sounds like a God of wrath because the Bible says the earth was so bad at that time, so sinful that God just destroyed all the people. Also, you think of the Tower of Babel after the, after the flood. People began, began to multiply, and, and they began to spread around. But God told them to fill the whole earth, but they decided they weren't going to do that. They were going to stay in a plain, And they were going to build this tower and they were going to make a name for themselves lest they be scattered. They didn't want to do what God told them to do. They didn't want to be scattered, but God told them to do that. But they said no. So what did God do? God came down and there was one language at that time and God confounded all their languages. And so there were people groups that that just spread all over because they could only speak a certain language. And God spread them all over and therefore we have all the people groups in the world today because of that. What was that an evidence of? God's wrath. God didn't like what they were doing. They were rebelling against him. And so God's wrath was displayed. You think of the wilderness wanderings. The Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then he led them through the wilderness to the promised land. They sent out spies, and the spies came back, and ten were bad and two were good. You remember the song? Ten were bad and two were good. Well, Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report and said, we can take that land. And all the others said, we can't. There's giants there, and they have these walled cities. There's no way we can do it. Well, they didn't trust God. And God responded. How did he respond? He said, all right, you'll wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and everybody that's 20 years old and older at the time when you went into the land to spy it out, everybody that's 20 years and older is going to die. And so every, he killed all the people that were older than, than 20 years old and as they wandered in the wilderness. So all of them died off. Why? Because God's a God of wrath. You think of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. Those, it's mentioned and their, their fate is mentioned in Numbers 16, 32 and Deuteronomy 11, verse 6. And what did they do? They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And what did God do? Because he's a God of wrath as well as a God of love. God opened up the earth and swallowed them up and killed them. I mean, just just opened the earth up, and they all went falling down. They and their families. God is a God of wrath. And then you think of the New Testament, God just beginning the church. And uh, this couple, Barnabas, you know, gave some money, and he sold some land, gave some money to the church, and, oh, they all thought that was great. And so Ananias and Ph- Sapphira, they sold some land, and they thought they were going to get the praise that Barnabas did. And so they said, yeah, we sold it for this much, but they really didn't tell the truth because like they sold it for 10000 they would tell that they sold it for $8,000, they would keep the two. They wanted the praise that he got, but they wanted to keep some of them. So they lied. They lied about it. And so he brought him in and said to Ananias, uh, did you sell the land for so much? And he said, yes, I did. And so the Lord just struck him dead right there. And they took him out and buried him. His wife didn't know about it. She came in a little bit later into the service, and they said, did you sell the land for so much? And she said, yes, we did. And God struck her dead, and they carried her out to bury her. Now, that's a God of wrath, and God displays his wrath. You might say, well, I'll never experience that. Let me read you a verse, John 3, verse 36. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you reject Jesus Christ, you'll experience the wrath of God forever and ever and ever in the lake of fire. God is a God of wrath, and it's revealed in the Word of God. We find all that about all that in the Word of God, and this Word came from heaven. And then there's another way the wrath of God was revealed, and that was on the cross of Calvary. I mean, that's a revelation. And that came from heaven. God sent Jesus from heaven. And God's the one who brought the wrath on the cross there. And the Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was experiencing for us the wrath of God. And as Isaiah says, said, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There on the cross, God laid all the sin of the world, through all ages, he laid all the sin of the world, including ours, on Jesus, Because, and then he brought the wrath of God down on Jesus, and Jesus cried, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing the wrath that we deserve. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 as well, he, for the, he was wounded for our transgressions. Romans 5, verse 8 says Christ died for us. The wrath of God came down on Jesus. The greatest display of the love of God is at the cross. The greatest display of the wrath of God is at the cross. God loves us so much that he let his son take our wrath upon himself. And so it's revealed in the cross. It's also revealed in another way, and this is uh, also told to us in the scripture and God determines this from heaven and that is it's revealed by the consequences of sin. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 and 8 says, be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap and the flesh will reach corruption. God said you will reap what you sow, that's the wrath of God. When God brings down wrath upon a person because of their sin and they experience the consequences of that. What do they experience? Well, broken lives, broken relationships, broken homes, broken health, broken wealth, broken dreams. The Bible puts it like this in Proverbs 13, verse 15. The way of the transgressor is hard. Well, who brings all that result upon people and their sin? God does. And so it's revealed by the consequences of sin. God reveals His wrath, to us through his word, through the cross, and through the consequences of our sin. But let's go to another point, and that is the reason for God's wrath. God gives us the reason for his wrath. Look at verse 18. Because I'm going to break it down in two things. The reason for his wrath is because of man's attitude and because of man's actions. What's man's attitude? Well, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The Greek word there for hold does not mean you hold on to it. It means to hold down. It means to suppress. It means to restrain. It means to limit. And so the Lord says... They hold the truth, they hold down the truth in unrighteousness. And that's what people do who sin. They hold down the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the truth to have a part in their life. And they hold it down. They repress it. They don't want anything to do with it. That's their attitude. And people who are involved in sin don't want to know what God has to say. They don't want you to tell them what God says about their sin. They suppress the truth. They hold it down. They hinder the truth. They restrain the truth. And then another thing, they refuse to see the truth about God. Notice what it says in verse 19. That which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. What has God showed to us? What has God showed to us that the sinner refuses to see? And that is God has showed to us through his creation how great he is and how powerful he is and how good he is. God has showed that to us. Look at verse 20. The invisible things of Him are clearly seen. The invisible things of God are clearly seen. So even if you don't hear the gospel, even though if you don't go to church, I mean, you can just look out around you, you can see God is good. I mean, isn't it good today, this sunshine we're having? Isn't it good when God sends the rain? God is good. God is good to us. And the, and these things, these invisible things of God are clearly seen by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. That's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 8 when he said, When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? When I consider the heavens, the psalmist said, When I look up into the heavens and see how good and great God is, Why is God mindful of me, a sinner? And so he's impressed by what he saw about the Lord. When I consider the heavens, have you considered the heavens lately? Have you noticed how good God is, how orderly God is, and how much God does for us when I consider the heavens? uh, Psalm 19 says it like this in verses 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day uttereth speech, and night into night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The voice of the revelation of God and how good and great He is, is seen in creation. And there's no place where it's not heard. No place where it's not seen. And that is all around the world people see how good God is and how great God is by looking His creation if they will. And then it says in verse verse. Uh, 4, their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Uh, in, in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. This, this is the sun. It's a poetic way of showing the sun. Here comes the sun. It's like a bridegroom. coming, And it goes all, over the, all around the earth. It's, it's revealed all around the earth. Man sees wherever he is. That God is good. God has warmed things up. God has given us the sun. If they understand, they know that the sun helps things grow and, and helps us uh, physically, it helps us. And so the more we know about creation, the more we should be impressed by the goodness of God, which is that a bridegroom cometh out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His goings forth is from the end of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of us, us uh, uh, end of it and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Everybody in all the world should know God is great and God is good. And so the Lord says uh, the reason for His wrath is because they refuse the truth about God. They refuse to see it. And so their actions in holding the truth and refusing to believe the truth uh, brings them the wrath of God. Also, their actions... How are their actions described? Well, look at verse 18 again. He says, against the all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. They are ungodly and they're unrighteous. I'm going to give three characteristics of of their actions. They're ungodly. That means that they don't consider God. The way they live is contrary to God. Let me remind you of something. Everybody in this universe, who's, every person, is made in the image of God. We bear the image of God. But we don't bear it very well sometimes because of our sin. We are made in the image of God, and yet man is trying to corrupt that all he can. And he's living ungodly lives. He's not acting like God even though he's made in the image of God. And so God says they're ungodly. We can say that about a lot of people. You can look at a person who's, who's sophisticated, well-dressed, has a great job, makes a lot of money, and you can see they don't love Jesus and they don't live right, and you can say they're ungodly. Some people will be upset if you call a person like that ungodly, but that's what they are, ungodly. They don't live like God wants them to. Also, unrighteous. Unrighteous means they don't do right. Righteousness means you do right unrighteousness means you don't do right. And so they're against what God wants, wants you to do. They're against the will of God in their life. And so they're ungodly and they're unrighteous. But also, verse 21 to 23 says, they're unrestrained. They're unrestrained. When they knew God, verse 21 says, they glorified him not God. And at, and, and one, time, and at, at one time, man knew God, the Bible says in this passage, He knew God. What does that mean, that man knew God, humanity knew God? Well, at the beginning, didn't they know God? Adam and Eve and all those that came from them uh, shortly after that, they knew God. Adam and Eve told them about it. Adam and Eve told them about the creation. Adam and Eve told them how God had made them. Adam and Eve told them all that. They knew God. But yet they departed from the Lord, and the Lord had to destroy all the earth except eight on on the ark, And after Noah and his family got out of the ark, everybody's descended from them. And at that time in history, everybody knew God. (laughs) Because Noah and his family knew God. They taught their children about God. But over generations, they departed from it. But there was a time when everybody knew God. But what did they do? Well, they departed from the Lord. They left the Lord. And the Lord gives seven steps here of their decline. And that is their unrestrained decline. And here it is. They did not glorify God as God. They did not glorify God as God. They began by not glorifying God, giving praise to God, giving credit to God, uh, giving honor to the Lord in their in their life. They did not glorify God. Then they were not thankful. Well, it's easy to see that today, isn't it? (laughs) Not thankful. So they became unthankful for all that they had. Even Adam and Eve did that, you know, they were unthankful. They centered on that one thing they couldn't have and they were unthankful for everything else and they said, I've got to have that fruit. They were unthankful. Then they became vain in their imaginations. In other words, the thoughts of their heart were, were foolishness. They had, they had um, uh, speculations in their hearts and about things and, and uh, they were foolish and, and they became vain in, in, their, in, their, uh, in their speculations. It says, their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. They cannot discern between right and wrong, between good and evil. Their foolish heart was darkened. Then the next step, they profess to be wise. You know, sometimes that's, or many times that's true. A person, they go down this path of sin, they get used to it, and they begin to think that's the right thing. And they begin to think that's the wise thing. They begin to give you advice. Because they consider themselves wise, though, so they profess to be wise. Having left the truth of God's word, they think their thoughts are wise. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And then the next step was they became fools. Now, that's God's estimation. God says they're fools. Now, I know the scripture says you shouldn't call people fools, but there are some that we can call fools because God calls them fools. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Another one, a fool makes a mock of sin. So all these comedians, you know, who laugh about sin, they're fools. They're making a mock of sin. And so we know certain people are fools. But God says these people become wise in their own eyes. They profess to be wise, but they actually are fools. God says they're fools. And then they worship idols. We see this in verse 23. They worship idols. And it says, who changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. They become idolaters. They worship idols. You see, they've gone from knowing God to making a God. The foolishness of that is seen in Isaiah chapter 44. If you look at it and read verses 13 to 20, you can see it. I'll not read it today, but I'll tell you what it says. It says the carpenter takes a piece of wood, and from that piece of wood came from that one tree, that one tree and this one piece of wood. He divides it up, and part of it he uses to make a fire and to warm himself with it. Another part of it he uses to make a fire and cook his food on. And then another part of that same piece of wood, he carves it and everything and makes a god, and he bows down and worships that god. And God has said, says he's become so foolish he can't figure that out in his mind. How foolish is this that I would use part of the wood to, cook, to warm myself, part of the wood to cook my food, and part of the wood as my God. I'm worshiping a stump, a piece of wood. And that's the, that's the final decline as they come down this decline. And so there's seven steps as we go down uh, through that. And so they... they that was their decline from the Lord. So their ungodly, unrighteous, and unrestrained decline. It just keeps getting worse. And by the way, I've said it before. If you don't deal with sin, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And when you think, see a person who's gone out into terrible sin, and you wonder, why in the world would they do that? It was a step. There was a step before that, a step After that, it was always downward. And if they don't deal with it, it's going to get worse. Why are are, uh, homosexuals now adding so many letters? And I'll deal with that in just a minute. It's because it keeps getting worse. And don't you be surprised if LBGTQA+, and all that, ends up with B, bestiality. It's coming. And it's already happening in places. Why? Because sin doesn't get better it gets worse. And so the Lord says the reason for their sin is because of their attitude and their actions. Ungodly, unrighteous, unrestrained decline, and they're, they're very sinful. And so God brings his wrath upon them. Now let's look at the result of God's wrath. The result of God's wrath. After they've gone th- down through all these steps, they come to idolatry. And by the way, our world, our nation today is given to idolatry. It might not be bowing down to a stump or might not be bowing down to an idol, but they, we bow down to material things. And people put, put material things before God all the time, and that's idolatry as well. And the Bible says covetousness is idolatry. And so that's idolatry. So what are the results of God's wrath? Well, it begins in verse 24. God gave them up to uncleanness of heart. Notice what it says. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. Since they abandon God, he abandons them. Since they say no to God, God says, All right, just go on. Their hearts lusted for uncleanness, therefore God let them have what they wanted. I've written this down. I think this is true. It's a sad day for a person or a nation when God does not restrain their sinful heart. When God does not restrain you, God just lets you do what you want to do. That's a sad day. And our nation right now, what's holding this nation together is the salt and light of the earth, and that's, that, that's Christians. Christians. And when God takes Christians out of this way, out of this world, and the indwelling spirit that indwells them, the Holy Spirit, then that will take, take the restraining influence away. And it's going to get really worse than it is right now because there will no, be no resistance to the evil that's happening. So uh, the result of God's wrath, God gave them up to uncleanness of heart. And then another result was in verse 26. God gave them up to vile affections practiced in their bodies. The word vile means dishonorable, disgraceful. So by the use of that word, the Lord would say, as he mentions here, it's homosexuality. God would say it's disgraceful. disgraceful. Uh, it's not good at all. It's vile. And so these verses describe men and women. In fact, it mentions women first and then men who are involved in unnatural sin, unnatural things with their body and its homosexuality. Now, many today do not believe that you should preach against this. You know, we should be accepting, we should be uh, inclusive, and we shouldn't talk like that about people, but God says it's sin. Now, let me remind you in this passage and some other passages in the Bible, some of the words that God uses to describe homosexuality. First of all, it's unnatural. People say, I'm born that way. No, you weren't born that way. Don't blame God. You choose that sin. And uh, so you're not born that way. Uh, You choose that sin, and it's unnatural. Verse 26 says, they change the natural use. So it's unnatural. It's also against nature. Verses 26 and 7 says it's against nature and also leaving the natural use. So it's against nature. Verse 27 says it's unseemly. Verse 27 also says it's error. So it's not right, it's wrong. It's error. It's unseemly, it's vile, it's unnatural, it's unseemly, it's error. In other passages of the Bible, the Lord gives other ways to describe it. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, verse 23, it says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, it is an abomination. Now, that's not Moses' take on it. It's God's take on it. God says it's abomination. So it doesn't matter what man says, really. What does God say about it? God says it's abominations. It's vile. It's unnatural. It's unseemly. It's error. It's abomination. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13 says it's abomination, and they shall surely be put to death. That's how bad God thinks it is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, It says people who will not inherit the kingdom of God include those, and it says this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God who are effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, and that's speaking of homosexuality. 1 Timothy 1 verse 10 says, them that defile themselves with mankind, also speaking of homosexuality. In fact, God gives an illustration in Genesis chapter 19 of what he thinks about it. And he brings the wrath of God down upon two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And the account makes it very clear without any, any problem discerning it. And that is, their problem was homosexuality. And it was rampant in those cities. And God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone, and he made an example of them, and, and he destroyed them. The wrath of God came down upon them In Judges chapter 19, we find the account of an old man trying to help out a Levite who was traveling. And the Levite brought with him this concubine. And there were men who gathered around the door of their house and knocked on the door and wanted to know the man that that came in. They were homosexuals. And the old man came out and they said, you shouldn't do this wickedness, this wicked thing. And then he called it folly. And so what does God think of homosexuality? God says it's wrong, it's sinful, it's vile, it's against nature, it's unseemly, it's error, it's an abomination, it's what, uh, what will keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. It, it, is, it, defi- it defiles people, and uh, it's wicked, and it's, it's, uh, it's folly. So God says, without any, any unclarity at all, God says homosexuality is wrong, and it will bring the wrath of God. And then the another step was, God gave them over over to this the, to what He's called a reprobate mind, and that's in verse twenty eight. And even as they did not not like to retain God in their knowledge, in other words, we don't want to think about God. We don't like God. We don't want to think about Him. They didn't like to retain God in the knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient, and that means do those things which are improper. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind means a mind that has been tested to determine what kind of mind it is and found out that it's no good. It's no good. A mind that really doesn't work. A mind that doesn't think straight. A mind that comes up with wrong wrong things. A mind that figures things out and they come up with a wrong answer. The Lord says, All right, since you don't like to retain God in your knowledge, I'll give you up to a reprobate mind, a mind that's no good. Don't we have that displayed today? Don't we have it displayed today that people are making decisions and thinking that it's right and and, uh, rejoicing over it and uh, uh, praising it and all that, and they think it's right? And How in the world can you come up with things like that? God has given them over to a reprobate mind, a mind that doesn't work a mind that won't be able to think and come up with right results. What we are saying today is the result of a reprobate mind, minds that are not capable of thinking right. Therefore, we have confusion on, of gender and people don't know where they stand anymore. I looked it up uh, and uh, under gender identity. In fact, well, I didn't look it up under gender identity. I, I put in the word queer because I know what that used to mean. And uh, it's included in their... Their a uh, line of uh, letters, you know, Q. And it means queer. So I looked that up, and it talked about gender identity. And it gave this whole list of gender identity. I was surprised at the whole list. I mean, there's people so confused, they don't know what they are or anything. In fact, they might be one thing one day and something else another day. They're totally confused. Why is that? God had given them up to a reprobate mind. They can't think straight. And what they think and they tell you is wrong because their mind doesn't work right and God made sure of that because they didn't want God in their life so God let them have a reprobate mind. So what is it today that we see? Well, we see that gender confusion. We see all these deviant lifestyles and uh, here's what the letters are now. Now, L-B-G-T-Q-A-T. Well, the B's already there. It means bisexual, so they'll come up with something else, the bestiality, I'm sure. But uh, B, LBGTQA+, plus. so they put the A+, plus. that means there's more to come because they can't figure out what they are. And just look it up under gender identity, and you'll be surprised at all the things that are listed there. Our messed up society is evidence of God's wrath. The result of God's wrath is this messed up society that we have. But God will judge them. God will judge because he says in verse 32, who knowing the, the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Down in their minds, they know that, oh, religious people, God's, you know, these church people and all this, they say that that's, uh, those are things that are worthy of death. Well, we don't we don't want to believe that. So we'll just have pleasure with those who are doing the exact thing we are, and uh, we'll just go on our happy way, and everything's going to turn all right. The Lord says they're worthy of death, and the result of this lifestyle, and the result of sin, and sin is just a just a uh, gets worse, you know, and it comes up with this what we have today. The result of that is the wrath of God, because they're worthy of death. But I want to close this morning by saying there's a remedy for God's wrath. Aren't you glad there's a remedy? Aren't you glad there's a remedy? Now, I don't know what all of you have been involved in in your life. I don't need to know. I don't want to know. But aren't you glad God doesn't tell secrets? Aren't you glad God's not a gossip? You know, there's some things in people's lives who are here today, and as I say, I don't even want to know, but there's some things in your life that if somebody would find out about that, they would just spread it all over the place. But God knows about it, but he's not a gossip. He loves you, and he says this, if you will believe that Jesus died for all those sins on the cross of Calvary, and you'll put your trust in him as your Savior, he will save you, he'll forgive you, he'll make you a new creature. And you'll be able to go to heaven, not because you deserve it, but because Jesus paid for all your sins. You see, there's a remedy to the wrath of God. And the remedy was this. Jesus, who is God's son, took the wrath of God on himself. He suffered for it. He, he, he took that wrath and he died for our sins. He, did, he paid our debts, you might say. And so you don't have to if you'll just accept what he did. If you'll believe in him and put your trust in him, he'll save you. So if you've never trusted Jesus, what should you do? You should come to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent of my sin. You know all about my past. You know all about my sin. But I believe that all that was laid on Jesus on the cross of Calvary, and I want him to be my savior. I believe he died for my sins, and he rose from the grave. He's paid it all, and I want him to be my savior, and you accept Jesus as your savior, and you'll escape. The wrath of God. The wrath of God is deserved, but we don't have to have it because Jesus took it for us, and we can escape that wrath. I'm glad that Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God can remove the wrath of God from you, but it takes his power, and that only comes when you believe the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us of what you say about your wrath. Lord, we thank you that we have a clear picture of your wrath. But we also thank you, Lord, that we have a clear picture of what Jesus did about it, that he took all that we deserve upon himself and we can go free and we can experience life, abundant life, because of Jesus. If there's anybody here, Lord, who's not been saved, I pray that today be the day of salvation for them. Work in the hearts and accomplish your will. We ask in Jesus' name.